Yes, Jesus is coming back. And as we look at our world today, as of Thursday, almost 200,000 million. We look at that, we see a pandemic right now with no vaccine that still takes lives. We look in our country particularly, and we still see violence. We see protests. We see unrest. Uh, we see uh, political parties that are at each other's throats, trying to take the other down. Uh, we live in a time where there's still war, and there continues to be war after war that never seems to end. So when we live in a world where there is unrest, chaos, pandemic, war, to step back and ask the questions, is this the end? Is Jesus coming back soon? Is what's happening now, is it a sign that the Lord is near or the end is near? And I have heard Christians ask that and I've heard preachers answer that. And it all makes complete sense that we would, considering everything that is happening. But we're not the first to ask that question. If you go back to the last week of Jesus' time with his disciples, before his crucifixion and his resurrection, the disciples were looking at the magnificent buildings. And if you've ever seen... Uh, large structures that have been well built and maybe even as the sun shines on them and they're almost shining and they do look magnificent. And that's what they were commenting on. Well, when Jesus saw that, he had a response for them. In Matthew chapter 24, as Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one down. Jesus says, You can look at it, but it's not going to stand there. It's coming down. Now the disciples, we assume, knew their Bible well. And in the book of Zechariah, there are prophecies that when the city of Jerusalem is destroyed, that that is when the Messiah will set up his kingdom. So the disciples then thought, Jesus says this is going to come down, it's going to be destroyed. They ask a question. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him and privately happened, and what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They asked the question, Jesus, what are the signs that you are coming? What are the signs that the end is here? Tell us. Tell us about the end, about the signs. In the book of Matthew, chapter 24 and 25, it's also his message is also in Mark and in Luke. And there, Jesus answers these questions. This morning, I'm not going to give you those answers. Isn't that frustrating? (laughs) After this big buildup, and now here are the questions, and we want to know the answers. Of course, you can take your Bible, go home and read Matthew 24 and 25. You'll find the answers there. 
But we're going to spend a few weeks in September and October going through those two chapters to hear the answers and learn how they apply to our life in general so we have a better understanding of signs in general and prophecy in general so that we know now how to apply that to our lives. So let's think about the Messiah, Jesus, and prophecy. The Old Testament, of course, prophesies about a Messiah coming. Jewish people now for over 400 years, that was the last time a prophet wrote when Malachi wrote. Malachi wrote, it's 400 years later, and Jesus is there in Jerusalem. Uh, the, the people who knew the word of God in that day knew about the Messiah. They knew the prophecies about the Messiah. They knew he'd be born in Bethlehem. Remember even when Herod asked the rabbis, where, where is Jesus or where is the Messiah going to be born? They knew. They went right to the verse and told Herod in Bethlehem. That was a no-brainer. Everyone who knew the scripture knew that. So when they saw Jesus healing the blind and healing the lame and making the mute speak, when they saw Jesus do that, they knew this could be the Messiah. This is what was prophesied. So they knew the prophecies and they knew what they were looking for. And when they saw Jesus, many wondered. And Jesus proved and taught especially the disciples, that yes, he was the Messiah. Yet, in Jesus' day, they completely missed the death of Jesus, the death of the Messiah, the resurrection of the Messiah. It was in the prophecies, but they missed it. In fact, the day of his resurrection, when he talked to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that's exactly what Jesus did. He went to the scriptures and he taught those two disciples from the scripture that the Messiah must suffer and die and be resurrected. It was there. But how did they miss it? Well, it wasn't as clear as the other prophecies about miracles and about the place he was going to be born. And they were expecting the kingdom to come when the Messiah came. The Messiah came, but the kingdom didn't. How do they get that wrong? Prophecies. The church, who we are, Jew and Gentile together, a delay between the first coming of the Messiah and the second coming was new revelation, Paul tells us. It was a mystery. It was unknown. So what's my point? In the prophecies of the Old Testament about the Messiah, some things were clear. Some things were there but not understood until later because they were not as clear. And some things weren't really there at all, although there were little hints of it. So the same is true with any prophecy. The prophecy may share things that are easy to understand and easy to interpret. Then there may be parts of it that aren't even in there at all. The reason I say that is because when we come to prophecy, we must be humble enough to realize that we may not understand it completely, and that's okay. The best rabbis and Jewish scribes in Jesus' day didn't understand it completely. God gives us prophecy for a reason. But that reason isn't to give us every detail so that we know exactly what it is. 
When it all happens and it all becomes hindsight, well, yes, then it becomes obvious. And one day it will. So be humble when we come to prophecy. And we definitely must study, and some of them still are, our prophecy. Some people don't want to study prophecy. They want to ignore it. They want to dismiss it because it's hard to understand, because people argue about how to interpret it. But if we did that, we'd almost have to cut out a quarter of the Bible. If it's there, it's God's word. He wants us to know it. He wants us to study it. And so it's important that we do. And all prophecy really boils down to two messages. A message of warning and a message of hope. A message of comfort. Because the messages of prophecy really are about the first time. God showing up the second time. But when God shows up, you're either going to be excited... Because he's your Lord, he's your God, and here he is. Or you're going to be unprepared and you're going to say, uh-oh, he's here. So, you know, it's just like when, uh, if you're a teenager and your parents go away, and you're at home by yourself. And then you decide, am I going to have friends over, party? Am I going to trash the place? You know, what am I going to do? Or am I going to be ready? And so... There's always a warning in the back of, yes, thank goodness my parents are back. So I don't know which kind of teenager you are. You know, you were wanting them to come back because you missed them, or you were worried they were going to come back and you weren't going to be ready. So anyway, that, that's what prophecy is like. It has a message of warning and a message of comfort, and that's why it's in the Bible, and that's why we need to study it. Also, why Jesus is coming back is far more important than when he is coming back. In fact, when Jesus was meeting with the disciples before, right before the moment he went into heaven, again, they asked him about the kingdom. They're asking again, when? Oh, times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus told them, it's not for you to know when. So sometimes I wonder why we focus so much time and effort and study and explanation and preaching on when he's coming back. We're told we don't know when he's coming back. So don't focus on when Jesus is coming back as far as the date and the hour and the time. Focus on why is he coming back. That's what's more important. And he's coming back to judge, thus the warning He's also expecting him and those who have been busy while he was gone. Therefore, again, comfort. And he is coming to bring peace and justice as he brings his kingdom. That is why he's coming back. And so Jesus is coming back to bring judgment, to bring reward, to bring peace. Whenever it happens, that's what's going to come. So the question is, are you ready? That's what's more important. And the question to be answered, are you ready more than when is it going to happen? We must be ready. Moment than when it is after it's happened and it's all in history and in hindsight. I'm going to take you back about 100 years 
About 100 years ago, from 1914 to 1918, was World War I, where 20 million people were killed just in that war. And remember, the population of the world at that time was uh, between 1 and 2 billion, far less than now. It's over 7 billion. So just in that war, that's how many were killed. At the same time as that war was ending, there was a pandemic. And you probably never even heard of the Spanish flu until this pandemic. And then everyone started going, this is going, but I don't know if you realize the end of the war and this pandemic were happening at the same time. And in fact, many of our soldiers died from the Spanish flu rather than from bullets from the enemy. So at the time that the war is going on, because they didn't know when it was going to end. So when they were in the midst of it, there was a war killing millions. There was a flu that was killing millions. And I imagine at that time, with all the chaos, the death, the violence, the wars, the plague, they were wondering, is this the end? What do we look at 1914 to 1918 now, now as? Of this time as being a time of a sign of the end of the world. As I said, most of us hadn't even heard of the Spanish flu until now, 100 years later, and we're going through something similar. So you would see my point is, to them, it was chaos and it was violence and it was plague and they must have been wondering, are these the signs? This is it. We look back, and it's history. Jesus may not come back for another hundred years. And a hundred years from now, they'll be looking back at 2020, and it'll just be an answer on their history test. They won't even think about it as a sign of anything. More millions are killed. And here is a country, Germany, a dictator, Adolf Hitler, with the express purpose of killing every single Jew. And at the beginning, he was succeeding. And by the end, over 6 million Jews were killed. Doesn't that sound like the Antichrist? I mean, here is a person persecuting the people of God, directly prophesied in the book of Revelation, and he's succeeding at it. At that time, I would have read Revelation and said, this, this is being fulfilled right now. This is the end. But again, we read it as history. But to them, it must have been almost impossible in the moment to know the real significance of something until after it's all over and you look back on it. The, Jesus may come back tomorrow, but it may be another 100,000 years. We don't know when, and history is hard to interpret so we don't look at when, it's why. Also, anytime something tragic happens, it does wake us up, as it should. I mean, life often, we live day by day, it's the same. We get up, we have breakfast, we go to work, we have dinner, we get the homework done, we go to bed, and then the next day starts. It makes us think. It makes us reevaluate everything we're doing each and every day. It can be a national thing, like on 9-11, the anniversary, which is this Friday, when it seems our whole nation was attacked, and we took a moment and we paused, and we thought for a moment. Or it can be a personal thing, a sickness, a disease, or a bad news, and you think about life, 
and you wonder and evaluate, is everything I'm doing what I should be doing? Are other things more important? This self-evaluation naturally comes at times of tragedy. I think nationally some of that happened. But really, any time something happens, we think about it, but really every day we should be evaluating our life. We shouldn't have to wait until something tragic happens for us to evaluate our life and our walk with God. Sometimes those things help us do that, but we shouldn't have to wait for those things to happen. Jesus had similar situations in his day. There were some Jews who were slaughtered. There was a temple, uh, excuse me, a tower that fell and killed people. And people were asking Jesus about the significant response. Sounds a lot of cold-hearted, to be honest with you, but it just gets right to the truth. Do you think they were more sinful than the other people who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish as well. This is what Jesus is saying. You look at tragedy. And it makes you evaluate your life and you wonder about those folks and about how awful it was and about whether they were more sinful, about whether they deserved it or whether it was an act. I mean, you start worrying about that. Jesus says, you just worry about yourself. You look at your life and you be ready. Repent of or if the Lord comes back, you are ready. This is what's more important than looking to events nationally or personally and tragedies and wanting them to move us to repentance and to uh, closeness to God. We should desire that and be praying for that and striving for that and wanting that in our nation every day when things are good or when things are bad. Again, whether the end is today or 100,000 years from now, really the way we live our day never changes. If somehow God did come and tell us when, and he said the end is coming and he gives us a date. And maybe it's in our lifetime. Reality, today you would live your life the same or should live it the same whether you had the date or you didn't have the date. Because every day should be lived the same. It should be lived in obedience to God. It should be lived in expectation and hope that he's coming back. And it should be lived in telling others about him and warning him that he is coming back. You would do that if Jesus was coming back next week or if he was coming back 10 years from now. But human nature, we always do this. We procrastinate. So we think, oh, if Jesus told us it's 10 years, oh, okay, I got time. You know, I got 10 years. So, uh, well, I can get right with God, but let me have a little bit more sinful fun. I got 10 years. I, I, gotta, I can sin a little bit more and then I'll get ready. So I think in one way, that's why God doesn't tell us when, because we would do that. <laughs> but the reality is that it, you shouldn't do that. If you knew it was going to be 10 years, you still should be ready now. And the reality is we don't know when it is. It could be today. And so even more so, we should be ready. And this is the truth, too, that our end may be today. The Lord may not come back for Christians in this lifetime, but... In my lifetime, he's going to come, and it's going to be the end of my life, and he's going to take me home. And so, therefore, I live today as though the Lord might take me today, 
because it may take me any day. And so we live all days the same in that sense. And that's why we should heed the words of Jesus who said, Be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape at these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus says this as he's talking about the end and the future. He's saying, be alert when? At all times. Why? So you're ready. And so you can stand before God. Stand before him as a child. Jesus says, be alert at all times. Finally, Jesus' return should bring joy for Christians, not fear. I don't know why I see Christians get anxious and even worried and fearful when they see what may be a sign and maybe mean that Jesus is coming back and now they're afraid. Why? If you're afraid for loved ones, you should have been afraid for them yesterday and you should have been warning them yesterday. If you're afraid for yourself, why? If Jesus comes to take you home personally, if Jesus comes to take the church today, you're joyful. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're waiting for. That's what makes every day worth living now, knowing what our future is. So when it comes, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's not something to be afraid of, to be fearful for. Now, if you're not ready... That's the warning. There is fear then. But all it takes is a moment to get ready. If you're not a believer, you believe in Jesus right now, that he died for your sin and rose again to life. And you're ready. If you are a Christian who is not right with God and not living your life as you should, you repent of it right now and you're ready. And that fear and worry doesn't have to be there. And its place is joy. Jesus gawking up in the air, because that's where Jesus went. <laughs> And the angel said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. He's coming back. Titus tells us, Paul writes to Titus and says this, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're waiting for it with expectation. With joy, it's going to be glorious, and it's our blessed hope. Do we really want to live life as it is now, forever? Do we want to live in a sin-tainted world? Do we want to li live with the burden of sin and the struggle with sin and the consequences of sin forever? No, we don't want that. That's what our blessed hope is. We don't. It's coming and that's not going to be our future. Try to make it come quicker so that we get to heaven sooner. But what makes the daily life with sin all around and the struggle around worth it? And the reason we persevere is because of the glorious future we have with the Lord. And that gives us joy. The, the second to last verse of the entire Bible has to about these things says yes I am coming soon Jesus says I am coming soon what is John's response to the truth to the hope to the expectation that Jesus is coming soon he says amen come Lord Jesus 
He says, yes, come right now. Let's do it. Let, let, let's have you come back. Put an end to this mess. Let's do it now. Do you see the, the joy, the excitement, the now? There's no fear in that response. There's no joy. Yes, finally, Jesus is coming back, and he's here. This morning, brothers and sisters, let's wait with joy. Let's warn those who need to know, and let's get our right, right, our life right with the Lord now so that we are ready. Be ready, warn others, and as we are ready and warning, and when Jesus comes, it's going to be a joyous day for you as well. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord Jesus, we are thankful this morning of our future. And thankful, Lord, that while we wait, we can wait with joy and not have to be worried or fearful. Father, in these difficult times, I pray that we would share this message with others. Warning them, regardless of whether these are the signs of the end, they are a reminder to us that this world and our lives do not last forever and that we would share, and I pray, Lord, that we would be ready. Father, now is our time to respond to you. And in this moment of singing and prayer, I pray that our response is yes. And that, and I say it again, Lord, we are ready when we leave this place. I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.